Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. I want to talk about the next three weeks about Christmas. Here comes Christmas. Somebody say, here comes Christmas. Christmas is here, whether we like it or not. It's an awesome time. I don't know about you, I love Christmas. I love Christmas. Let me ask you this question, what is Christmas? What is Christmas? Think about it. What is Christmas? Someone, if someone for, were out of town, like a, a person who hadn't been to the United States before, and they just come and say, what is this Christmas? If, if, should I go to a handheld mic or what? I'm, I'm listening, huh? No? Okay. If you were going to explain to somebody that didn't live here and they didn't understand what the holiday Christmas was, how would you explain to them? What is it about Christmas? I was raised in the United States of America. And for many, let me tell you what for many Christmas is. Christmas is a feeling. For many, Christmas is a feeling. For, for maybe many of us, Christmas is a, like, I'm just saying what you're about to say, what's Christmas? Oh, it's great. We get to light things up and we have, uh, you know, uh, uh, we have decorations. Come on, how many people decorate during Christmas? Let me ask you this. How many people start their decorating in December? How many start their decorating in November? Like you start in November, just pretty regularly. Okay. How many would decorate in October? You start in, let me see, is there any crazy people? Probably the people wearing the sweater. Yeah, same one, wearing the sweater. She was up here. They start in October. Anyone start their Christmas decorating in September? Anyone in September? Huh? Yeah. Well, let me ask you, if you start in September, when do you take down the decorations? You only have six months as Christmas, six months it's not. I'm telling you, we, we knew a couple of families in California. By the way, all the rumors are true about California. They are crazy. I say they because I'm here. Okay. But I'm saying they are a little bit crazy. I understand. But we had some friends that would start decorating the October 1. They would start, start October 1. And I mean, by the time you went over to their house, it was like the Chevy Chase. I mean, it was, they just decked everything out. And you walked in and you're like, oh my goodness. And they had this Christmas party every year. We knew people and they could have competed for that, you know, that whole decorating contest. Because they started and they didn't take it down. They started October 1 and they didn't take it down until uh, the end of February. The end of February. Can you believe that? I mean, those are Christmas. You got to open a Christmas store, okay, for that. Um, trees, okay, trees. Um, we, Tiffany and I, after we got married, uh, we got a fake tree because we were trying to save money, right? And then we started getting real trees, and the real trees started going up and up in price. And then I remember one time we paid $110 for a, a real tree, okay, for a real tree. We, uh, again, live in California. We couldn't, if, if we went and chopped down a tree like y'all do, or like, is, is wall a word, we all? Like, here, I'm starting a new word, wall. Like, like we all do, okay? If we went and chopped down a tree, we get arrested, okay? And you don't want to get arrested. So, uh, so we went and bought our trees, you know. But we did it for year after year after year after year after year after year after year. And the tree would fall down and the tree would, I'd try to get it stable and get it. And then it would, you'd get it too early. And then what would happen? It would start to dry, right? And then you, you're worried about, is it going to catch on fire or what? Because by the time you get to the mid-December, it's like the trees looks, it's crispy. It's, 
crispy treats, no, no crispy tree, right? And so uh, when, we first, when we first came our very first year here in, uh, in Memphis, Tiffany and I went to a Christmas tree like farm down in Mississippi and we took our family and we're going around and we thought, this is great. We live in a place where they have trees and they're like, they're, they have real trees and they didn't just plant them last year, you know. And this is, they're not palm trees, they're Christmas trees. And so we went and we chopped down our own tree and I thought, we got this thing down. And I, did we do that the second year too? I think we did it the second year too and then we thought, it's overrated. So we... So Tiffany is one, she, she, she sets up a fake tree, and it looks good, and people come up and go, is that real? Nah, it ain't real, but it looks real, and it doesn't get crispy. And uh, some, some people set up trees, some people set up multiple trees. We got a tree in every room. So you might look at us and go, I don't believe in trees, that's, you know, well, you, you won't believe in what we do then, I'll tell you that, because we... Man, she got a tree in, the, like, the bathroom. We got a tree in every room. It's kind of ridiculous. But it looks pretty. I love it. I love that my wife likes Christmas. Christmas albums. Christmas albums, okay? Uh, what is your favorite Christmas album of all time? Favorite one of all time? Amy Grant, what? The Temptations, all right. Who else? Huh? Minotonics. Minotonics. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're new and they're awesome. Yeah. Who else? What is that? Soul Train. That's a good one. Elvis Presley, you know Elvis Presley is the number one, I just looked it up this week, number one selling Christmas album? Huh? Luther, Luther Vandross, oh man, that's some, uh, that's some love, some love Christmas. Uh, here's the five, here's the five, let me see, I want to get the song. Uh, Elvis Presley, Mariah Carey, Bing Crosby, James Brown, Harry Connick, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, and I'll, my all-time favorite, the Babyface Christmas album. <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Anybody ever heard it? Had a very shiny nose. Oh, man. Come on, Babyface. What I like, okay, to each his own, to each his own. Songs, what are the top five Christmas songs? Top five Christmas songs. Let me just tell them to you quick. Uh, no, number five is this, rocking around the Christmas tree, right? Okay, you all know it. Number four is, guess what? It's the Biebs, Justin Bieber, Mistletoe. Come on, I know some people in here listen to Justin Bieber. You might walk into church and you're like, oh, I, I, he's from the devil, but I, you got your mistletoe rocking on the way back. Uh, number three is Christmas Eve, Sarah Jevo by Trans-Siberian Orchestra. You, you might not think you know it, but it's on like all these videos and stuff. Uh, number two, number two most downloaded Christmas song of all time. Do you want to build a snowman? Frozen. Can you believe it? And guess what number one, guess what number one is? Mariah Carey. Which, what is it, what is it? I don't want a lot for Christmas. Even if you don't know it, you know it because you're haunted with it, right, all the time. But that's a cool, that's a cool one. Okay, Christmas movies, Christmas movies, Christmas movies. See, you're sparking up right now. Usually you're like a, like a you know, Presbyterian church. During the messages, you're sitting there like, oh, yeah, amen, hallelujah. 
Tell you're like Christmas. Yeah, he's talking my stuff. Okay. Uh, tell me, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Okay. Here's the here are the top the top Christmas movies. I mean, I looked at several things. Listen, the Santa Claus is one. It's a classic, right? Uh, National Lampoon Christmas, right? That's another one. Uh, Home Alone is another one. Charlie Brown Christmas. Come on, somebody. Charlie Brown Christmas. But here's what's a trip. It's arguable what the number, the, the top ones are. But I think on just about every survey that I saw, every single one, number two was what? It was a Christmas story. Number two, number two, I don't know why, 1983, I don't know. How many would that be your, your favorite one? Christmas story, yeah. Okay, Jason, good. Okay, and then number one, you're not, the number one of all time Christmas movie, 1946, a Wonderful Life. A wonderful Life. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Okay, okay. That, that, that means nostalgia wins. Nostalgia wins, right? People try to multi-millions of dollars and they can't get a good Christmas movie out uh, that beats those. Okay, what do you think my favorite Christmas movie is? Elf. You got it. Elf. Come on, how many would say Elf? Yeah. Okay, good. We got, we got more than a Christmas story over here. But uh, Elf, Elf is a good one. Oh, that's funny. We watch that every year. I think it's funny. How many think Elf's funny? Okay, 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 okay. You know what? What's cool about Christmas, though, is we go all out. Christmas is a time where if you're going to decorate, it's not a minimalist season. You can get the most gaudiest stuff. I used the word last week about nastiest, and someone said, don't say nasty. But when I say nasty, I don't mean, like, sexual. I mean, like... Nasty, like, like, uh, like, uh, you know, right? Okay, so uh, it's the time where you can go all out. You can go all out with your decorations. You can go all out with the way you look. You, I can walk through a mall like this today, and people would just smile and say, hey, yeah, 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 you know, because it's Christmas time. People go all out, and they wear different things. They dress different things. They put their house, you know, look in different things. You can crank it up to 10, but there's one thing that you can be sure about. You crank it up to 10, you go all out for Christmas and whatever you're doing, but at some point, you're going to get sick of it. Anybody know what I mean? At some point, you're like, when's Christmas over? Anybody know what I mean? And it's usually about... Mid-December. I'm just kidding. No, it's usually about right, at the, right after Christmas in January. you got about a week, and then you take down your Christmas decorations, and then there's always those neighbors who never do, right? And, and they, they want to be festive all year long, right? Jason again, yeah, uh, all year long, and they want to leave up those decorations. But you get tired of it, and you say, man, I'm so tired of Christmas. I'm glad Christmas is over until about September, and you're like, Man, I'm kind of looking forward to Christmas again. Do you know what I mean? You pull out the playlist, you pull out the movies, you pull out the stuff. Why? Because Christmas is really a feeling. It's the most wonderful time of the year for some. It's the time when family come in town. It's the time where you enjoy life. But for some, it's the saddest time of the year as well. For some, it brings back memories of divorce. It brings back memories of your childhood. It brings back memories of loneliness where you see this world of everyone looking like they're having fun and enjoying one another, and then there's you sitting alone by yourself, and it brings sorrow. So it's not always the same, and we we need to be conscious of that. Christmas is a feeling for a lot of people. Um, It's really just a feeling in our society, but I want to share a few facts with me and just 
bear with me here. I want to share a few facts with you. I just got a very simple point this morning, okay? I want to share a few facts with you about the origin of Christmas. In fact, if you look at this slide right here, Christmas holiday origin, you may have heard this, but look at it. It really means Christ's Mass, okay? It's Christ's Mass. On December 25th was likely uh, determined by the mid, mid to late 4th century. By the late 4th century, Christmas had started to surface as a holiday in its own right, Though it's, though it's in early stages, was more of a prelude to the more established celebration of epiphany. We know what epiphany is, okay? The term epiphany comes from the Greek word which means appearance or manifestation. So uh, the, uh, the, the star, there was an appearance of a star that signified that Jesus' birth was going to come. And so that's an epiphany that they had, and there's a celebration of that. Um, or a manifestation, uh, in Western Christianity, uh, the festival of Epiphany observed on the 6th of January celebrates the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles coming to the Magi of the Child, which I just mentioned in uh, Matthew chapter 2. The 12 days between Christmas and Epi Epiphany, when is Epiphany? It's January the 6th. The 12 days between those two are really what the 12 days of Christmas would be. We say the first day of Christmas, second day of Christmas, that's the 12 days of Christmas, okay? So beginning in about the ninth century, however, possibly the result of the coronation of Emperor uh, Charlemagne, you got it, uh, on Christmas Day in AD 800 was the celebration of Christmas, it became more prominent, distinguished in public affair in the West. Uh, much of what today, the common imagery, Santa Claus, Christmas trees and stuff, it originated in the early modern era with some traditions emerging as late as the 19th uh, century. And so Christmas that we know it today is, it's something that was made up. It's something that, it, it was really mean, you know, it went toward epiphany, so it was meaning that we're celebrating the appearance of Christ or Jesus showing up on earth. But it got turned into a holiday that we made. By the way, I'm not trying to take away your holiday, okay? So no one go, oh man, am I going to have to take down my decorations? No, leave them up, shine them brighter, okay? Because I'm all about going for it. But we do have to come back as believers and know what Christmas is and be reminded. So what is, Christ what is Christmas to Christians? What is Christmas to Christians? And here's what Christian I Christmas is to Christians. Look at this. It's Christ. It's Christ. That's what it is. It's Christ. Um, now, who is Christ? Someone says that's Jesus' last name, right? Jesus Christ. Mr. Christ. No, G Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? Christ is really, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to stick with these facts here. Uh, I, I want us I to actually go to Luke chapter 4, and I want to tell you what Christ is because Jesus tells of himself. Jesus got baptized when he was about 30 years old. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He was water baptized. It was a baptism of repentance. He wasn't repenting from sin. He was repenting of the way he commonly just lived. He was of his normal life as Jesus of Nazareth. He was repenting. He was making a change. He was making a shift. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He went underwater, and he got baptized. He went into the home city of Nazareth. And he went into the synagogue as he customarily would do. A synagogue is a place where they would teach scripture. And he would go in and in the synagogue it was tradition that seven people on the Sabbath had to read, had to stand up out of reverence and read from the book, from the holy book. Okay, One of them was a Levite, 
One of them was a scribe, and then there was five common folks, okay? They would come in. Jesus was a commoner, and he came in. And so he stood up, and he, they handed him the scroll. He turned it and found the book of Isaiah, and he turned to what we know as Isaiah. They didn't have it at the time, uh, numbers and, you know, verses and chapters and such. But he opened up to the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. He found the place where it was written, and he stood up and he read these words. Look at these words. Can you read it with me? This is what Jesus said right after he was baptized. And he said this, the spirit of the Lord, read it with me, is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he took that, he closed the scroll, he rolled back up the scroll, and he sat back down, which is what you're supposed to do. Now, if he would have just stuck there, everybody would have been happy with him. But what he had to do was he had to bring context to this prophecy that was written. And basically, here's what he said two verses later in verse 21. It says, and he began to say to them, notice he was about to start a message. Right? wasn't necessarily something he was his place to do or something he was stepping up. But he began to bring context, not as the scribe. Not as the Levite, but as a person that was sitting in there, he began to bring context to this. And he said, he began to say to them, today, somebody say today, Today. this scripture, that's Isaiah 61, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He began to say to them, right? This is a guy that you grew up with. This is a guy that you've... You, you've went to school with. This is a guy that you've ro- run the streets with. You've been around on a day basis. He was a nice guy, but he certainly wasn't the Messiah. That's what people would think, right? And he stands up and he reads this and he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You know, when you're around friends and you're around contemporaries and you're around people, it's okay when we're all on the same level. But when someone comes and says, by the way, I'm not on your level. I've been sent by God. And what is our normal response is to put them back in their place, right? And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. He said the fulfillment of the scripture is here. I am the one that Isaiah was prophesying about. I am the anointed one. Now, Jesus was saying I am anointed to, look at this, I am anointed to preach the gospel. Somebody say salvation. What he was saying was, the anointing on my life is to bring salvation to people. And they're thinking, wait, I thought you were just Jesus who I grew up with. Look at, preach the gospel, heal the brokenhearted, somebody say healing. Next one. Proclaim liberty to the captive, somebody say freedom. Next one. Recovery of sight to the blind, somebody say restoration. Set at liberty those who are oppressed, somebody say release. And last one, proclaim the Lord's favor. Somebody say empowerment. He says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And the anointing that's on me is to bring salvation, healing, freedom, restoration, release, and empowerment. And they're looking at him and they say, who in the heck are you to stand up and tell us what you're anointed to do. And guess what they did? They grabbed him and threw him out of the synagogue. 
And you know what they did? They grabbed him and threw him out of the city. In fact, he went up to this high hill. We were at it in Israel, uh, what we believe is that. He went up to this high hill, and he got up to this, what what is a cliff, and they were going to throw him off. And what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says that Jesus passed on and went. Well, where did he go? Well, he left that city. Said he left that city. Yeah, he, you don't want to hang around where, you're not, where your ministry is not received. You don't want to hang around where you're not wanted. You think they'd be excited, but what did they say? Isn't this Joseph's son? Not everyone, by the way, is excited when you start your ministry. Sometimes you get excited about your ministry and you're like, guess what? I'm going to tell everybody. And they're like, Psh. that's what I think about your ministry. Yeah, they don't always, they're not always affirming. That's why we don't need to look to people for our affirmation. We need to look to the Spirit of God who is upon us. Let's pick it up in verse 31 after they kicked him out. So he left Nazareth and he went into, he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them, notice, on the Sabbath. He was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now, why was his word with authority? Because the Spirit of the Lord, somebody say, the Spirit of the Lord was on him. Yeah. The anointing was on him to do what? To minister salvation and healing and freedom and deliverance and restoration and help and release. So as he's teaching them, the anointing is on his word and they're astonished. They're like, what in the world is going on as he's teaching? Like, this is just a guy, but he's not. God's on his ministry. Look at He was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished, for his word was with authority. Now, in the synagogues, which synagogues are those? Which synagogue was that? That was the synagogue in Nazareth or Capernaum? Okay. What happened when he was in the last synagogue in Nazareth? What happened? They threw him out because they didn't like him preaching. So he went to a different synagogue. Now he's in the synagogue in Capernaum, right? And what did he find in the synagogue? Did he find people studying the word? No. It says he walked into the synagogue in Capernaum, and there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. I wonder if it was, he was related to the spirit that was in the last synagogue that tried to kick Jesus out. But here's this man in the synagogue where they're studying scripture and he had an unclean demon and he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you? Notice what he called him, Jesus of Nazareth. Isn't that what they called him in the last synagogue? Right? Aren't you just Jesus from Na- Jesus of Nazareth? You're just a man. And the demon comes and says, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. By the way... There are no atheist demons. People can be, humans can be atheists. Demons are not atheists. Anytime Jesus comes around, they're like, we know you. Don't mess with us. Right? There are no atheist demons that are out there. Okay? So they said, we know who you are, Jesus of Nazareth. I know who you are. But Jesus, notice, rebuked him, being the spirit, not the person, rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and it did not hurt him. By the way, Jesus was freeing the man from the demon. But isn't it interesting how, how it says, but, but, the, but the man didn't get hurt. Isn't that how the Lord is with us? He wants to free us from things, but he doesn't want to hurt the person. He wants to free us from the spirit. But the, the Holy Spirit wrote in here and made sure to include but it didn't hurt the person. 
right? This is, how, this is what the Spirit of the Lord does. It frees him from the demon. Notice, by the way, Jesus spoke to the demon. And he said to the demon, be quiet and come out of him. He didn't permit him to speak, right? Come out of him. Notice Jesus didn't only speak to demons. Jesus spoke to trees. Jesus spoke to the wind. Jesus spoke to the waves. Jesus said speak to the mountains, right? That's what faith does. That's what the anointing on your life does. And Jesus spoke to them, and it came out of him and did not hurt them. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is, for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits. Now, where did he get that authority and power? When the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, right? He said, For with authority and power he commands unclean spirits, and notice, and they come out. And the report about him went in every place uh, surrounded in the surrounding region. Now, he arose from the synagogues, from, from the synagogue, and entered Simon's house. <laughs> I want you to notice he found people who didn't receive him in both synagogues that he went into. So he said, well, let's go into Simon's house. So he goes into Simon's house, and Simon, uh, his wife's mother, his mother-in-law, was sick with a fever. Heard someone say that was very kind of him to ask for healing for his mother-in-law. <laughs> That's kind of a bad joke. Okay. But he was, she was sick with a fever. And, uh, and Simon's wife was mother. And they made the request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever. What did he do? He spoke to the fever. Spoke to the demon. Spoke to the tree. Spoke to the wind. Spoke to the waves. Our words, Jesus' words have authority. Our words have authority. Right? He rebuked the fever, and notice what the fever did? It left her. Why? Because Jesus is anointed to take sickness. Jesus is anointed to cast out demons. Jesus is anointed to free people. Jesus is anointed to call people. Jesus is anointed to help people. And immediately she rose and served them. It says, when the sun was setting, I want to read these last two verses. Listen. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases. I'm going somewhere with this. They were sick with various diseases. They brought them to him, and he laid his hands, listen, on every one of them. Listen, watch the care of Jesus. Laid his hands on every one of them, and what he did what? He did what? He healed them. And demons also came out of what? Many. Demons also came out of many. Crying out and saying, notice, notice what demons said. You are the, the what? We're talking about Christmas. But they weren't celebrating Christmas. They were saying, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them did not allow them to speak for they knew that he was the Christ. Somebody say the Christ. They knew that he was the Christ. Now, the word Christ... I'm going to touch on these facts here. The word Christ, the word entered English from the Latin Christus, which transliterates Christus, okay? In the New Testament, Christus is used generally of the coming anointed one, the Messiah of Jewish expectation or specifically of Jesus. Uh, the word Messiah in the Old Testament is translated as the word Christ. So when you see that they were looking for a Messiah, when they say you are the Christ, they're not just saying, oh, Jesus, yeah, the Christ. No, they're saying Jesus, not Jesus of Nazareth. That's only used a few times. But after he was anointed, they called him Jesus the Christ. Because the significance wasn't where he was born on earth anymore. 
The significant was that he was he came from heaven. His citizenship, his when when you go to and you have a, a, a passport or an ID, they look and they see where you're. Oh, you're a United States citizen. Oh, your citizenship is Spain. Oh, your Jesus' citizenship was heaven. Did you know our citizenship is heaven? By the way, yeah, our citizenship is in heaven, right? And so they didn't call him necessarily Jesus of Nazareth over and over. They'd call him Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. 569 times we see Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. Why is that so significant and so important? Because the Messiah who they were looking for for hundreds of years, they were saying every time they said Jesus Christ, they're saying that's him. And until you recognize Jesus as the Christ or the Messiah, how are you able to receive his salvation and his healing and his help and his freedom and his hope and his restoration and his release and his empowerment? See, there's something about the word Christ, and we want to dumb it down and make it just, you know, people use it in cuss words. We use it on advertisements and billboards. But the Christ literally means the anointing on Jesus to change everything in your life. There's something about the word Christ. In the Greek, the text, uh, John, John chapter 1, verse 41, it says, We have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. John 4, 25, it says, I know the Messiah. Remember the woman at the well? I know the Messiah who is coming, who is called the Christ. The word Christos is used 569 times. 569 times. So, Christos is an adjective also in the Bible. Adjective is what? It's something that describes, which means to rub on or to pour on. So it's not only the title of Jesus the Christ or, or his role of being the Messiah, the Christ, but it's an adjective to describe Jesus. Like we were to say, an adjective would be a de description word, you, you know this, like beautiful house, right? Beautiful would describe what the house is. Anointed would be something that would describe Jesus. So the anoint, the word Christ literally means these two things. It means the anointed one and it describes the anointing on his life. It's both of those things. It's not only he is the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, but it's also, listen, some of you need this. It's the, it's the anointing on his life to destroy yokes to save, to heal, to deliver, to set free, to call, to release people. There's something about the word Christ, Christ, Christ. Like, uh, for instance, I have this, uh, I shared with you uh, the funny story a while back about uh, uh, on my way to church, I had this lotion, and it was in my middle compartment, and I would every, you know, every time I'm on my way to church, Tiffany and I will come at two different times, and on my way, I would pull out this lotion, and I didn't have my glasses on, and I'm, I'm rubbing my lotion, and I'm always like, man, this is oily, so I remember thinking, Tiffany got me some rotten lotion or something, but I'm going to use it up, you know, I'm going to be frugal and use the whole thing up and stuff, so I use it, but every single time I'd get into worship on Sundays, and I'm lifting my hands, and, I'm, and I would go like this, like, I have oily hands, you know, this is nasty. And so I remember, though, uh, I was in the car with Tiffany about a couple months ago or so, and we were sitting there, and I said, hey, Tiffany, by the way, I said, do you want some lotion? And I'm rubbing lotion on my hand. I said, do you want some of this lotion? I said, by the way, I think this lotion's rotten or something. It's nasty. I'm waiting for it to run out. And she looked at it, and she goes, let me see that. And she looks at it, and she goes, that's body wash. 
<laughs> I was rubbing body wash on my hands, you know, the whole time. And so, uh, so obviously we got the body wash out of there, and now the lotion works so much better. But now, so, so Tiffany will buy me this at Trader Joe's. We love Trader Joe's. Uh, California company, but, but it's balm, okay? It's head-to-toe balm. Now, I don't use it head to I just use it on my hands, okay? But I'm saying it's head-to-toe balm. And this is actually a brand new one. I have two or three of these. And this morning I opened this up and I looked and I thought, oh, look at that. It's never been used. It's anointing, so to speak. It's something that I'm supposed to rub on, but I've never used it. So I'm ashy. I'm dry. I'm, 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 I'm Right? And I haven't used this, so I thought, well, I'm going to bring this during church, and we're going to talk about anointing. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm anointing my hands. See, anointing is, is a very, it's, it just means to rub on. It's rub on. And it's not about you rubbing on, it's what you're rubbing on. See, I could rub chocolate on my hands right now, right? I could rub dirt on my hands right now, and it wouldn't have the same effect. Not everything you rub on is going to help what you need. Right? But when the Bible says that Jesus was anointed, it's not just that he was anointed. He was anointed with what? What was the Jesus anointed with? Well, look at the scripture. What was he anointed with? Look at Acts 10.38. It says, how God anointed Jesus. Read it with me. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with now notice, it's not, it's not just rubbing something on you that's going to help. It's what you rub on you. I was rubbing body wash on. And though it smelled good and it made me oily and it didn't really help. Do you know that some people will have like a real clean open container of the anointing of God sitting right there in their lap. And they're trying to rub other things into their wounds. And they don't know why they're not getting healing. And they don't know why they're not getting deliverance. And they don't know why they're not getting direction and help and restoration and empowerment in their lives. Because the anointing is on Jesus for you and for me. The anointing is on Jesus for us. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And by the way, just as a, just as a side note. Remember Jesus said he commanded them not to depart, to go start witnessing, but to go witness. And he said, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What is he saying? He's saying, you want to do ministry? For me, I had to get anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. Same thing with you. If I needed the Holy Spirit and power for my ministry, you need the Holy Spirit and power for your ministry. See, we have to be anointed. It's not, don't try to do ministry. Don't try to minister to people without the anointing. You remember the guys in the book of Acts? Was it the seven sons of Sceva? They came back naked, right? Stripped of their clothes, right? Why? Because they tried to do ministry without the anointing. They tried to step out and do life without the anointing. They tried to confront demons without the anointing. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. The Holy Spirit and power is on a man now. He's on the man. Notice God. Notice what it says. God, put, leave that. How God, look at it. How God anointed what? Well, what did they call him? They said, you are Jesus of Nazareth. All they saw was where he came from. But they didn't know he had been rubbed down. 
They didn't know he had been poured over with the Holy Spirit on his life. That's what made him different. It wasn't Nazareth that made him distinct. It was anointing that made him distinct. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. This man had the holy supernatural power. Superpower. Jesus operated as a superhero, literally. With superpowers. We talk about signs and wonders and supernatural. That's what super is. Super is, is outside of this realm that we know. It's outside of the realm that we understand and that we process in. And so what did he do? He added supernatural power. The realm of anointing upon his life. And he became literally a superman. And he began uh, to be able to save, to heal, to deliver, to set free, to empower And the Bible says here, uh, refer back to the scripture in verse 41 again. Demons came out of him and they cried out. Notice what demons commented about his life. They said, you're the anointed one. See, demons can't play with the anointing. They said, you're the anointed one. You're the one everyone's been waiting for. We can't compete with you. Would you just leave us alone? Would you just leave us alone? So who is the Christ? The Christ is the Messiah, the anointed one. What is he anointed with? Uh, Nate, I'm ready for you to come up. Uh, thank you, Bob. Uh, the Holy Spirit and power. There's three things I want to leave you with today. Just three things. Listen. Three things I want you to remember about Christmas. I don't care about it. I, I like celebrating. I like the lights. I like the festivity. I love the music. I love the joy. I love the fun. But there's three things that I want you to remember about Christmas as Christians. As Christians. Number one is this. Jesus Christ is anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. According to the book of Acts. Jesus Christ is anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. The word Christ. When you think of Christmas, Merry Christmas. There's an anointing on Christ. And he's anointed to heal you. To deliver you. To restore you, to break yokes, to empower you, to release you, to help you. The anointing is on Christ. Don't just undermine the word Christ. Number two is this. Jesus Christ is anointed to bring salvation. Say it with me. To bring salvation. In fact, would you open up your hearts right now, everybody. Let's just open up these six words. Would you just open up your heart. Say, thank you, Jesus, for your anointing. Tell him, I receive salvation. I receive healing. I receive freedom. I receive restoration. I receive release. Release from what? Oppression. Things that are holding you down. Things that are holding you back. What is release? Fear is gone. Restraints are gone. Release. And then say, and I receive empowerment. Number three, I want you to remember at Christmas, number three is Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Jesus Christ is the same. This isn't a Jesus of the Bible. This isn't a Jesus of 2,000 years ago. This is a Jesus who is alive and well today. And listen, he's still in the saving business. He's still in the healing business. He's still in the freedom business. He's still in the deliverance business and the setting free business. He's still in the restoration business. And he's still into the empowerment business. Do you remember 
Remember what John the Baptist said? He said, he said, there's one who's coming after me. I baptize with water. But there's one who's coming after me who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus' ministry wasn't just about a man. It was about the anointing that was on his life and watching the whole world being turned upside down because of it. This Christmas, I want you to remember those three things. Jesus is anointed. Jesus is anointed to touch every area of your life. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Come on, let's open our hearts one more time and receive it. Whatever it is that you need. Whatever it is that you need. Come on. I don't know what you need. Whatever it is, wherever you are right now, say, Lord, you know my heart. You know my struggles. You know what I'm fighting. Lord, I'm fighting discouragement. Lord, I'm fighting, God, hope in my life. Lord, I'm fighting, God, temptation. Lord, I'm fighting. You may, you may say, Lord, people don't even know my family struggles. Lord, my marriage is struggling, God. I'm struggling, Lord, with singleness on the inside. I'm struggling with security. God, my finances are hurting and struggling. Lord, my body's in pain. God, I'm in fear. I don't know how much longer I'm going to live and these thoughts have come. Lord, I don't look forward to the holidays. But God, I come and I receive. Come on, tell him, God, I receive. The anointed Jesus in a fresh way today. And Jesus, lover, Jesus, friend, I ask you today by the anointing that's on you for healing over every person that's in this room right now. I speak healing. Be healed in Jesus' name. I speak deliverance. Be free right now in Jesus' name. Bondages, yokes, be delivered. Be free right now in Jesus' name. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all those who are oppressed of the devil. Those who are, maybe they're not oppressed anymore, but they're struggling with the effects of past oppression. Come on, if that's you right now, would you just lift, lift up your, you're dealing with some, some some, 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 some struggles right now. In Jesus' name, I speak healing. Those who have been oppressed by the devil, those who have been held back and held down by fear, by guilt, by shame, by condemnation, be healed in the name of Jesus. Be free in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for those who feel dry, just like my hands were dry a moment ago, and I pulled out this brand new salve, this brand new balm, and I rubbed it into my skin. Oh, God, I open my heart right now. Would you do this with me? God, we open our hearts right now. We say, rub, pour your oil into my heart. God, I pray for the dry places in our hearts, the parts, the parts that we're afraid to even use because we don't want them to crack and rip and tear so we preserve and protect our heart. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you'd heal hearts. Heal hearts. Heal emotions right now. God, heal emotions. Heal mindsets, Lord. Dad wounds. Heal, Father God. Rejection, 
I speak to rejection and say leave in Jesus' name. Healing from rejection. Healing from rejection. You are loved by God. You are accepted by God. Healed in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for empowerment. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit, would you open up your hearts right now and say, God, baptize me. God, fill me with your spirit right now. Come on, just ask him, God, baptize me. Maybe you want to be refilled. God gives free refills, by the way. Say, God, refill me. Fill me up, Lord. I want to go into this season, God, full, 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 full. In Jesus' name. Can everybody say this with me now? Say, Jesus, I open my heart to you. I repent of my sins. And I receive Jesus Christ into my heart. Jesus, you are now my Lord and Savior. I receive you. And I thank you for eternal life. I believe from this moment on, I am born again. Come on, let's declare it today. I am born again. Free from every spirit. And I invite your spirit into my heart today. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Before I dismiss you today, I want to do this. I just want to... I just want to know who is making a fresh decision, fresh commitment to Jesus today. Maybe for the first time, maybe you've, you're rededicating your life to the Lord. But something today, as we were singing, as we open God's word today, something inside of you. During this Christmas season, best time you could ever do it, wants to make a fresh commitment to the Lord today. I'm not going to embarrass you, ask you to come up. In fact, no one looking around. No one looking around. You make a fresh commitment to the Lord on the count of three. Would you just lift your hands? One, just lift one hand. I just want to see it. Two, three. Anybody in here make a fresh commitment? Thank you. Fresh commitment to the Lord. Just lift up your hand nice and high. Let me see it. Nice and high. Thank you. Everybody, just lift your hand nice and high. I want to see who's making a fresh commitment to Jesus Christ today. Thank you, Jesus. Look up at me today. I know you may have known information, but you know, people don't need information. They need transformation. They need revelation. And how many of you, as we just sat and opened the word today for a few minutes, that the Holy Spirit ministered something to you? Come on, just say, ministered something to you. Anybody? Yeah, all over this room. Good. Father, I pray that the things that you've ministered, that you continue to do it, continue your work. I pray that this Christmas season wouldn't only be a season, Lord, that where we'd be filled up and touched and hope, but that I pray for ministers all throughout this room, Lord. I pray, God, that we would minister. Every person in this room is a minister. Every person in this room has the ability to minister on behalf of Jesus. And I pray that ministry would go out into the streets. Ministry would go out into the workplaces. Ministry would go out into the schools. Ministry would go out into families. I pray in Jesus' name. Come on. Just say, do it, Lord. Lord, 
Do it, Lord. Ministry would flood through businesses. Ministry would happen. People who are hurting, who we come into contact with, this week that the anointing would spill not only off of Jesus, but off of you. And you'd become the light of the world, as Jesus calls us. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast. Podcast.